Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Well, again, welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friends today, both John Opaluski and Andy Swart. How are you, fellas? Jim, go, doing great. Good. John, you just want to give Happy us a quick re- reintroduction of Andy? I, I, he was sure. with us last time, but maybe our listeners didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode. Yeah, Andy is uh, uh, was introduced to me a little over a year ago by a mutual friend, and uh, he is the teaching pastor at the Mount Church in Keller, Texas. And <clears throat> last week, if you didn't hear Pod 106, you should listen to that. Yeah. Because he explained what that job description actually is, and it was quite comical, uh, <laughs> what a teaching pastor uh, actually is. But uh, Andy is uh, a wonderful communicator, and we're so glad that you're with us for another podcast today, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Happy to be here. And as we jump right back into this, I just want to start with the, the question here, but how can, a, how can a, a preacher, a teacher hit the mark more consistently? I know... You, you've done some work with Converge where you led a huddle and the rave reviews come off of the three things you're about to say. So hit us with that. How can we, how can we be more specific, have more fruit and, and more accurately hit the mark week after week? Well, it's extremely complicated. It's about $15,000 worth of seminary. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I am. <laughs> know the word, know your people and know yourself. Now the, you know, I think the d- deepest truths, Truths I've discovered in my life are, uh, they're just simple in its simplest form. Uh, so many times when it comes to how, how do we communicate effectively in, in a pandemic or in our people, online audience, engaging all of them, is that, you know, my, my, what I've discovered is, is that, you know, people don't want to know what your opinion is on how to handle the pandemic. That mm. They can find that anywhere, mm. but they can't go to trusted sources to know what is God's word have to say this about this. What does the Bible have to say about this? As we navigate the cultural waters where we find ourselves, it is extremely important for us to uh, know the word and be mastered by the word. And and I, I know that so many times the temptation is is to use the the word as a diving board and to jump off into our own ideas and opinions. But the truth is, is being anchored in the word is ultimately what our people need uh, as they very much try to figure out. Okay, where's God in this? Does God care about what I'm experiencing? Where's the gospel in this? Where's Jesus? What do I do with my sin problem? And and all of that is birthed out of the word. And so that fundamental commitment on the front end is to to know the word. Uh, yeah. Secondly, is to know your people. So uh, over the years before, I mean, this is just, you know, I, I need to change my language on this. But before the pandemic, I met so many pastors that were always preaching to an imaginary audience. They, they were always preaching to somebody who was not yet an attender at their church. Mm-hmm. And so I always want to say that, man, steward the people that God has in front of you. If he's given you, you know, 30 people, steward them well, 300, 3,000. But, but know your people and don't preach to an imaginary crowd. So we speak of in terms of, you know, speak their language. Uh, that's one of the big things is, mm-hmm. is that, you know, what, what is their language? What is their vocabulary? How do they see the world uh, through their lens? Address their problems, right? And so address the problems to the room or the online audience that you have in some way, not, you know, disconnected problems. And then acknowledge the tension. I think that's hard for pastors, right? Everybody comes to us as the Bible answer man or woman. And, but we need to be able to answer uh, or acknowledge the tension that 
a lot of times the text brings, I'm in Colossians 2 right now, there's a lot of tension in those texts because of mm-hmm. the different uh, theological understanding of what is Paul getting at? What is What was the heresy that he's trying to ad- address concerning the deity of Christ uh, in some way? And so I, I think you can gain a lot of trust with your people if you're willing to say, you know what, there's a lot of tension here, you know, give a very balanced position if it's not, you know, primary uh, or, or necessary for salvation, just give a very even-handed thing and say, you know what, I, I lean this way, and I could probably be convinced otherwise, you know, if you wanted to talk about it in some way. So I think that actually builds trust in your people. And then the last thing I, I always tell uh, communicators is, you know what, answer their questions. What are the questions your people have? Yeah. So uh, the way I do that in my sermon prep is, is that I'm always trying to think of like five different types of people uh, in my church. I don't preach at people. It doesn't work. Preach to people. So when mm-hmm. I list these types of people, I'm not thinking of names and faces, but I'm thinking about types of people, right? Like, so how does the truth of, of scripture apply to like a teenage girl, mm-hmm. right? Or like a divorced single mom. Um, mm-hmm. the, we talked about in the last episode that the person that's watching the live stream that can't, doesn't want to be there, maybe because of COVID concern or, or whatever they're experiencing in life, how does this truth apply to them when we talk about Christian community and maybe because of an autoimmune, because of concern, they really can't do community face to face. How does this truth apply to them in some way? Think about, um, you know, older senior saints is what I call them. Right. And so can, can we help them see how this truth applies, how they could reach back and invest in the next generation. And then uh, kind of where my wife and I are with four kids under 11, I was thinking about the young family that is, you know, uh, got littles running around everywhere and, and mom and dad, uh, you know, don't have any energy in some way. So uh, if you give them legalism, if you give them a lot of to do's, uh, they'll be exhausted and, and they'll feel like failure. So I always try to keep those types of people in mind when it comes to the application. Uh, and I really mm-hmm. think if you know your people, it's not hard to start to think about the situations that they're they're facing in uh-huh. some way. That's brilliant. And it, well, d- d- listen, I've categorized my ignorance. I know nothing else. <laughs> you know, probably <laughs> grabbed it from somewhere and put it together in some new fancy package. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, and I think this is maybe one of the most important things, right? I mean, we got a seminary for theological education, right? Uh, we get into ministry. Ministry humbles us because we think we have it all figured out. And then we realize, oh, we know nothing. And uh, people are difficult uh, and hard. Uh, I, you know, Pat, you know, leaders are, are sinners. Our people are sinners. And so uh, it humbles us. Uh, but the last thing is, I think that can often be missing is, is that pastors uh, sometimes are lacking introspection to know like mm. really how God has designed them to be. One of the most liberating things that happened to me was um, about 15 years ago, uh, I realized um, just through just exposure and some, to some real godly men that God didn't want me to be somebody else. He wanted to be me to be me in a most sanctified version of Andy. Yeah. And uh, that was uh, such a joy to know that the Lord wasn't disappointed in me because I didn't like wearing a, a tie or a suit. Uh, or, you know, whatever it may be, uh, I, I didn't want to, you know, preach chicken soup for the Christian soul kind of sermons or, you know, spiritual motivational TED Talks. And, and when I realized that about myself, it made me say, okay, the Lord has given me a gift. Am I going to steward this gift well? Mm-hmm. And so I think most communicators are going to kind of drift to two kind of categories, and you got to kind of figure yourself out. Are you more of a, of a preacher, you know, uh, an evangelist, exalter, proclaimer, bold, passionate, or as maybe God puts you more on the other end of more of a teacher, right? And and depending on where you kind of naturally gravitate, you have to be aware that you're missing a great opportunity to address your audience who listens differently than you actually communicate. Right. So 
Preachers will typically, if the, especially let's say you have an evangelistic heart, right, for the lost, you'll typically preach to the lost uh, every single week in some way. So I've always said that when it comes to communicators, communicators will have a, uh, a you know, a text or a title or a theme or a topic for a sermon or talk, but th- their subtitle for everything they do is always the same. Yeah. And if you if you listen to somebody long enough, you can begin to pick up on it, right? And so just a you know, self-deprecating uh, confession, uh, my subtext and subtitle for all my sermons is Jesus is awesome, you're not. Yeah. And <laughs> and by by God's grace, it works and it works in a Bible Belt culture where everyone thinks that they're going to heaven because they're moralist and they make over six figures a year, have a nice house, and kids are doing well in academics and athletics, right? So so if you if I'm if I have a heart for the the loss that's there. I'm always going to be preaching to uh, a very small segment of the congregation. And the flip mm-hmm. side of that, if it's if I'm uh, really about the theology and the original languages and all that, it's once again a very small segment. So when we talk about uh, the law of diffusion innovation, which is if you would work on ignoring the extreme ends and maybe where your personality is drawn you can really hit 70% of your audience. Mm. So you do get to reach the lost. You do get to reach those who desire something more uh, in-depth theologically. And I think that's ultimately what the apostles did continually. If we look at their sermons that they preached in the book of Acts, it wasn't just theological debate, but it also was meeting uh, anybody where they were. And I think that's really how we get to effective uh, sermons and, and, you know, devotionals and all the, all the like that gets us to a place where uh, we hit the target consistently. That's my, my subtitle is always salvation. So I, you know, I'm going to teach this week on marriage and, and why you better love Jesus. If you think your marriage is going to work, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff, teach yeah. on money and the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you know, as we, as we, as we give our life to Jesus, like I, I, I my pastor actually taught me that when I was coming up through a, a master's commission program, Tommy Barnett, all about winning the lost and all, you know what I mean? But every sermon, didn't matter what the sermon was about. It was about salvation in the end. It was about salvation. And I, I, I don't think I mimic that. I think that's a sincere, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this is who I am. But I, I get that. I think that's brilliant to know about yourself, too. Yeah. So I, I'm, not, I'm not less than or greater than. I just am. I am who God made mm-hmm. me. That's, that's brilliant. You know, Andy, as you were unpacking that, I, I could kind of hear questions emerging from listeners or watchers. Like, that sounds like a lot of work, Andy. How, yeah. Where do I start? You know, how do I get started with beginning to think that way and prepare that way? Because it's it for some of us, we would listen to that and think, I love that. I want to I want to do that because I think that's a great way to approach it. But where do I start? What's it what is maybe a good next step or two for people who are listening or feeling a little overwhelmed by it by thinking, wow, that that just seems like a real tall order. Yeah. Uh, I would say this, feed your soul first, others second. And that has to be the priority. Uh, I'm not, I, I know I probably could raked over the coals over this. I'm not a guy that believes that a leader has to have a devotional life that's separate from sermon prep or, you know, student ministry, devotional that they're going to give. I'm not that guy. I actually live my devotional life in the text that I'm going to be teaching soon or supplemental cross-reference text. That, that's where I live. But I, I feed myself first. And so I never want to come to my devotional life or even my sermon prep thinking of others first. They have to be second. We, we come to feed off of the word uh, for ourselves and commune with God. And, and I think that devotional approach 
to, to the word and how we uh, really view uh, our, our sermons or our uh, talks or whatever it is, I think that's really one of the things that uh, begins to uh, orient our hearts in a particular way where we can really think clearly about others. But it's got to be a, a very, very distant uh, second. I'm, I'm a fast, very fast talker when I uh, preach and speak and maybe even now on the podcast in the cohort uh, meeting, even one of the guys made a joke about something like, man, what are you on? I remember that. Holy, the Holy that. Spirit and caffeine, bro. Like, yeah. that's it, right? So uh, but here's, here's what I've discovered. If, if, if our hearts are oriented to, I get to commune with the God of the universe, I get mm-hmm. to uh, have this gift of the knowledge of God revealed to me in his revelation, then, then we very much will be passionate. And I think people pick up on that, uh, really, really quickly. And I think that that passion will translate itself where our people will see, oh man, the Lord's doing something in his life. I want some of that. And so they're then become more in tuned with what you're listening to. So setting aside some communication technique, I I think it very much begins with the, you know, the soul of uh, the life of God in the soul of man, Henry Scogel, an old Puritan's got a fantastic little booklet on that. That's where it has to, you know, begin there, uh, undoubtedly. If if you're passionate about it, it's hard not to, that's contagious, right? Boredom and passion are both contagious and you can tell. So they have that you're, you're, you're interesting because you're interested you know, you're, you're engaged mm. because you're engaged. You're powerful because you're, you're plugged into the, to the source. Mm. I, John, I know there was a question that we promised our listeners we would get to. Sure. And I, and I, I forgive me. It's, it's the youngest brother in me. It's the, the sophomoric part of my soul that just has to hear a story. And uh, so why don't you ask that question? Sure. Uh, Andy, uh, tell us about the worst talk you ever gave. Well, uh, listen, that's a great question. And it's one of those things that uh, dissociation happens, right? Where you experience a traumatic event, and your brain tries to block it out. Uh, listen, there are many, uh, plenty of sermons that I have botched. Uh, most pastors will tell you that it was probably their first sermon or one of their early sermons. However, I think that underestimates the power of fear as a motivator. So I don't think that's actually uh, the case. I know for myself, um, uh, several years ago, I was preaching in Galatians chapter four, and uh, the title of the sermon was From Django to Jesus, How the Gospel Moves Us from Slavery to Sunship. Mm-hmm. And Django Unchained, rated R, super violent movie, uh, trying to be uh, culturally relevant, I think, at the time. And so uh, the, the points or the, you know, the, the main points for the day or whatever is probably oriented around, uh, you know, that movie in some way. Uh, and it was, I don't know why it's st- that one stands out to me so much. It probably was the sermon wasn't too bad, but that the cultural relevance was lost once the movie had, you know, gone through the movie theaters and came out on streaming services and most everybody, uh, had already seen it in some way. I, I like another swing of the text. I mean, it's rich with the doctrine <laughs> of adoption, right? Uh, so that, that was one that, yeah, I just kind of, I, I, I blush and get red and shake my head and shame it. Yeah. Have you ever been in the middle of a sermon, realize it's not going well and you begin to make promises and deals with God? Like, I, I promise I will never walk up here again. This, this unprepared. Um, if you get me through this, you ever have those, those foxhole prayers in the middle of a message? Jim, since it's the three of us here and nobody else, bro, every week, man, I'll confess that like every week. 
I, 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 I know that I know that most leaders, those that have to communicate regularly struggle with this. And I want you to know, like, you're not crazy. And you're not alone. Before yeah. my foot steps off stage, I can tell you, I, I shouldn't have said that. I should have said that. I got on my soapbox too much there. My tone was off. I didn't flesh that out enough. You know, I, I, I have you preach too long. That's usually it. Right. I, I preach yeah. really long uh, sermons and we have a unique place where they give me freedom to do that. Um, and you're not crazy if you feel that way. Uh, John MacArthur said, um, who's maybe one of the greatest expositors of our lifetime, he said that that he doesn't feel like he's ever preached a sermon where he hasn't fallen short in some way. Right. This is the guy who preached 260 something sermons to get through the Gospel of Luke. Right. So yeah. we're going to feel that way uh, at times. But I think it comes back to what is our confidence in the gospel? If we believe that Jesus loves us because we're effective communicators of the Bible, then it will rise and fall based upon some subjective personal scorecard that we have. But if our confidence in his word not returning void and our confidence is in the gospel that he loves us despite our communication abilities, then really that that allows leaders to stand in front of people saying, I am confident who God is, not in my communication ability. Yeah. But if we're not confident in that, we will waver. And I think our people pick up on that and it leads into two places. Uh, people will think, oh, you know what? If I can say the right things, then I'll be a varsity Christian. So it leads into pride. Mm-hmm. Or you have others that very much would say, I could never stand up in front of somebody and teach the Bible or share my testimony or share my story. And so it leads to despair. God can't use me in some way. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, the communication tools and the effectiveness of knowing our people uh, really, I mean, shepherding their hearts, caring for them, leading them well is birthed out of a robust, guarded prayer life and, and union with the Lord in our in our sermon prep or whatever uh, we're working on at the time. Right on. You know, Andy, if I could just ask one more question, because we're really up against time. Um, if you could give me just a quick answer, uh, give us a quick answer to this. Uh, I hear this a lot. Uh, pe- preachers and teachers tell me, John, it's so difficult to be interesting every week. Mm-hmm. Um, how can, how can a preacher stay fresh? And I think you probably answered it to some degree by the personal devotional component of their life. I think that's, that's probably the most important way they can stay fresh in that pulpit, but, but it is a grind, uh, to preach, you know, you preach 45 times a week. I'm sure there are weeks where you feel like you're grinding, um, five times a year. Not a week, right? I get that wrong? I'm sorry, 45 times a year. I was going to say, okay, I, whole new level of respect if it was the first right. one. Well, that's a great question, John. I'm preaching five times between last Sunday and this coming Sunday. I'm preaching mm-hmm. 14 times this month. Wow. And and so that's a lot, right? And I can do that first season. So I, I would tell anybody listening, uh, I have a lot of freedom in my role to, to uh, prep and, and work on uh, sermons and, and talks and conferences and other stuff that uh, I get to serve at. Uh, but one of the things I would say is, is that uh, you are not Superman. Uh, Jesus is, and, be, and even Jesus rested. So yeah. if you can look for godly leaders around you who can pick up the baton and, and you need that rest, you need that reset uh, in some way. Uh, another thing I would always tell pastors is, you know, be effective, not original. Uh, plagiarism is, is mm-hmm. a major problem. It's, you know, it's been a big controversy, the controversy that's risen up again in the last couple months for, for good reason. And I, I would always tell, tell guys that, you know, as, as cute and creative uh, as we think we need to be, uh, I really don't think uh, that's what we really need to be. I think we need to be effective, to be clear mm-hmm. uh, on what scripture says 
and shepherd the people that are listening to us in front of us online, uh, whatever it is. And then the painful part, now here's the growth part, right? Is you need to get the sermon feedback team. You need a group of men and women in your church that know how to listen to sermons uh, and are not yes men and yes women, right? They need to love you enough to help you grow. And they need to have a template. They need to have a form that you can meet, sit with them once a quarter, once a month, and you give them, not every sermon, but you give them a few and say, hey, would you be willing to listen to this with this template and give me some constructive feedback and criticism, have them fill it out, sit down together and talk through it. And you'll really then begin to discover what are the questions my people are asking? What's the tension in their own heart? What are the fears that uh, that they're experiencing? What's the hopes that they have that we can celebrate in some way? Uh, and so getting a sermon feedback team, I actually think will help you be more interesting week in, week out, because it's not you locked away, you know, in your study in some way, you're really starting to do it in community in some way to, to grow and effectively hit the target. I love it. I, I find that to be common or more and more common now that that sentiment of even preaching a sermon to the staff before the congregation and, and asking the right questions, name three things about that message that was good. Name three things you feel could be improved. So you're, you know, you're asking just for one, you're asking for both and giving them an environment or on a scale of one to 10, 10 is that's totally ready for the people. You know, what number was that? And, you know, and when they say seven, uh, it's like, okay, seven's a long ways from 10. You know, they're, they're my friends and seven's a long way from 10. And so what, what can we do to make that an eight or a nine between now and Sunday? Those sorts of things I think are really effective, um, that feedback. And, and just like you're saying, if it's, even if it's not feedback for what I'm about to do, it's feedback for what I've done, that mm-hmm. still helps me become a better communicator as I move on. That's brilliant. I, I keep saying brilliant, Andy, and you keep, you keep shaking your head no, like, no, it's not. But I, it's, it's funny, I think what's so common to you because your giftings really is insightful to, to others. So thank you for sharing the, just what's normal to you is, is rare and precious to others. And we're grateful for you doing that and look forward to hearing more in huddles to come and, and uh, feedback from this. So John, if they wanted to continue a conversation about this sort of thing, what's, what's the best way for them to continue this? Well, I think there's two things I, I would suggest. First, Andy, if, if any of our listeners or watchers wants to connect to you, um, is there a way for them to do that? With, and if so, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, thank you just for that opportunity. I, I uh, have a heart for helping those in ministry. So I have a ministry uh, website where you can get some resources. You can contact bio, all that kind of stuff. It's wrestlethecraft.com when we help leaders navigate ministry. And uh, that is uh, just a place where uh, I found it's been easiest for people to connect with me. And so wrestle the craft, the sea imagery. I'm a landlocked boy, uh, but the sea calls, right? And uh, I think it's good good imagery that we get from the Gospels and, and everywhere else. And so that's a great place to connect with me. We're redoing the website right now. October 1st is when uh, the new site will launch. And so it'll be ready to go then. Awesome. Um, and, and then if anybody wants to reach out to us here at Converge Coaching, best way to do that is go to convergecoach.com. Uh, click on the contact us link and that starts a conversation with us. So Jim, those are uh, two ways I think that our listeners and watchers can reach out. Great fellas. Thank you for your time and your investment in leaders and pastors and and, uh, boy, it's just, it's rich. So we're grateful. And uh, to our listeners and our watchers, once again, it's always good to have you join us. We hope this has been fruitful, productive, a blessing, maybe, maybe a little insightful uh, to, to incite you to action and thoughtfulness and if that's the case then we've done our job and we're satisfied we love you we pray for you we bless you as you continue to lead from a life